electronics and everything around it is basically uh, um, the uh, science and technology what most people just accept. They take a cell phone and they can use it, but the majority of people have no idea what is going on inside a cell phone, inside a printer, inside a computer. And yeah, for me, it's fascinating. And I think lots of other people fascinate that too. And that is why we have so many electronics related stuff. <laughs> Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Altium On Track podcast. I am Zach Peterson, your host, and I am here today with Great Scott, the man behind the very popular Great Scott YouTube channel. And I think this is going to be a fun discussion, especially for any of the hobbyists or makers out there. Uh, Great Scott, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. Uh, thank you for having me and thank you for the great introduction. Um, very flattery. <laughs> <laughs> well, I try, I try. But, uh, you know, your uh, your channel is one of those channels that I think aims to uh, both educate as well as entertain. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think if you can make uh, electronics education fun, that's excellent. Because I know at least here in the U.S. there is a great uh, talent glut and anything we can do to get kids hooked in to, uh, to electronics, as well as just anybody else who wants to learn to, to learn things, then that's great. Mm -hmm. And whether it's an entertaining YouTube channel or a serious YouTube channel, I'm a fan of all of it. That's great. I'm also a fan of it. Uh, that's actually why I started it back in 2013, I think. Um, yeah, you've because been doing think... this a long time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because back then, and maybe now, like you said, um, I think it's difficult kind of to get um, the young generation into electronics. Actually, it was for me the same as well. I actually uh, was 18 years old when I had my first soldering iron uh, in my hand. And that was actually during a job application where I wanted to get into the field of, um, it was actually electrical power engineering, but it would be handy to know how to solder as an electrical power engineer. And that was actually one of the tasks and that's how it got started for me. Um, and I really would have wished back then that uh, there would have been more entertaining channels that maybe um, have more of a focus to a fun approach. Like you said, fun and entertaining. That's also what I try to do most of the time. At least sometimes it can get theoretical and complex, but you know, that's, that's always the mix of the projects and yeah, I, I think I, I lost a bit of track there, but um, that's what I that's what I basically try to do um, with my videos, just um, doing fun stuff with knowledge behind it. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely, and um, you know, like you said, it gets a little theoretical and, and conceptual, but I think yeah. at the end of the day, as long as you're showing someone you know, how to take that and get to something that's a practical objective, or in this case, if it's, you know, yeah. an entertaining video, like a fun objective, um, yeah. then, you know, you kind of have to do that at some point. Yeah, it's definitely, um, what, like you said, you, you actually, um, I don't know how to say it in English really, because I think many of my viewers and hopefully those, uh, who watch this podcast right now, I'm not a native English speaker, so be warned <laughs> if you haven't noticed yet. So um, I don't know how to say it correctly, but uh, how do you say it in English? You get the point of uh, my project. It's basically uh, two directions. Like 
I always try to do something practical from time to time where I have a real life problem. Um, I actually did that with a video which I did two weeks ago with a vacuum I actually had for a while and the vacuum was uh, constantly empty the battery. I uh, forget to charge it in the evening and when I want to use it in the morning, it runs for 10 minutes if it's full. So you can imagine if I forget to recharge it, it's empty in five minutes. And that's where I, uh, that's with the practical approach. There I just added um, a battery from a power tool, just and analyzing, of course, the insides of the uh, um, vacuum to know how to get the battery pack in there, how uh, it works with the circuitry, because there is actually a microcontroller inside the vacuum, uh, which protects it from under voltage and such things. So it was a bit challenging, but yeah, so this um, practical approach stuff and sometimes just fun stuff like lighting LEDs because who doesn't love LEDs? Um, and combining that with a bit of knowledge that's, that uh, can be a good video in the end, I think. Yeah, uh, so maybe we can talk about that that uh, vacuum cleaner project in a moment because it's kind of interesting. But I, I think, uh, you know, you, you brought up when you f first were getting started um, that you wanted to go into power engineering, it sounds like. Um, was, that, was that something that you had always aspired to do or was it just an opportunity and, you know, you knew, to, you knew that you needed to, like, jump in head first? I think people come into, you know, electronics design in different ways. And, mm -hmm. and especially depending on where they are, I mean, I, you know, myself, I never would have thought I was doing what I do now, uh, with, with, you know, running a design company and then doing all the content and everything. Um, but cause, cause my background is, you know, optics and, and lasers and stuff. So okay. it is not typical, you know, and I think some people come into this kind of a, in a strange way. So I'm, I'm interested to hear, you know, what, what really, uh, the trajectory of your your career path if you'll if you will uh sure so first off um i also would have never imagined 10 years ago that i would end up in such a position making youtube videos basically for a living um crazy times i would say but you know j life just works out this way and um you have to take it uh, when such an opportunity comes um, so actually, I got into this um, electronic stuff, not really because of electronics, because uh, like I said, when I was under 18, I didn't have, um, I, I wouldn't say interest, I was just wasn't objected to electronics. There wasn't really, a, um, there wasn't someone who was like, hey, you should try this Arduino. I'm not sure if Arduino was a thing back then, but you know what I mean. You should try this operational amplifier circuit or this uh, headphone amplifier circuit, there wasn't really a point for me to interact with electronics, so I never really got into it. And uh, when it was, of course, time to choose what I want to do in life when you turn 16, 18, like um, everyone at that point, probably, um, it was actually my uh, mother who said I should go for renewable energies, because of course, um, it's still a very hot topic, I would say, renewable energies. Um, the focus to that got more aggressive, I think, over the years. So it's maybe now even a bigger topic be uh, than back then. And I was like, sure, <laughs> sounds interesting because I was always into physics. Uh, and so there is actually a, um, 
a class in university for renewable energy specifically. But the problem with that, I always wanted to do a, in German it is called duales studium. Um, and with that course, you basically do a normal apprenticeship with a company and you do a, a course on the university. It's like combined. And um, back then I thought it was great and I would still recommend it to everyone. Uh, who would love to get a more hands-on approach on things, um, but still want to learn in university with more theory behind it. And the problem was that, there was no, yeah. That, that's interesting because, you know, here in the U.S., like we have internships, but they're generally totally separate from, from what you do with, with your classes. Like you have to hope that the two line up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's in Germany as well. You can also have internships is maybe the correct term, not uh, what I said. Um, with a company all alone um, and then you have these separate things which is like in the university you want to study I don't know economics or something and this dualist studium thing is actually a great do you you don't have anything like that in the US uh, at least when I was in school there wasn't anything like that now sometimes some companies will come and they'll you know, kind of direct uh, or state what it is they would like to see from interns. And then sometimes the universities will adapt classes kind of in that direction. But okay. um, I've never heard of any kind of formal program where, you know, the, the electronics class and the, you know, the internship are going to like totally align with each other. And, you know, you take the class just to get the internship or vice versa. Okay, it's... It's not like that in Germany as well. It is still separate things. Like uh, I did the first um, three years was the internship. It was always mixed. It was one week internship, then you go one week to university and um, you basically do the practical stuff in the company and then you do the theoretical stuff in university. And um, after three years, the internship is over. You get your certificates and everything around it. And then I continued with my university studies like usual, but was basically still employed uh, in the company I started in. And after four years, you basically got a certificate for the internship and you also got your bachelor's degree. And I think that's a great concept um, if you're willing to do it, because it takes a bit more um, effort, I would say, than just doing one thing, because of course it's, the work is almost double. Um, but it definitely was worth it. So, uh, like I said, for renewable energies, uh, there sadly is no um, duales studium like that. And so I looked for an alternative and what basically came out that electrical engineering um, offers such a duales studium and electrical engineering is also um, very connected to renewable energies, I would say, because basically electronics is related to everything nowadays if you think about it it's, it's the one thing you don't want to miss like uh, having electricity in your home that's it is and that's why i always recommend it uh, for young people if they're looking for a career or something interesting electronics um, electricians electrical engineering all around that it's such a wide field you can do so much with it you can go in so many different directions it's great and yeah, I, I do enjoy it because I can go in lots of different directions with my videos as well. Yeah, so, yeah. I, think, I think electronics is one of those things where, you know, it happens in the background 
and you don't see it. It's not in your face. You you know you you interact with it, but not directly. It's always mediated by like some user user interface or some application. And so I yeah. think it's easy for people to forget that there's all of this engineering that happens on the hardware side that makes all of these things in modern life possible. And without that, you don't get you don't get a cell phone. You know, you don't get yeah. uh, you don't get your computer. You don't get you don't get your lights on, like you said. It's crazy when you think about it. I think uh, I saw a documentary years ago, but uh, it etched itself in my mind um, that electronics and everything around it is basically uh, um, the uh, science and technology what most people just accept. They take a cell phone and they can use it, but the majority of people have no idea what is going on inside a cell phone, inside a printer, inside a computer. And yeah, for me, it's fascinating. And I think lots of other people fascinate that too. And that is why we have so many electronics related stuff. <laughs> yeah, and I think... Uh because of what you just said, it's one of those things that you, you pick it up and you just accept that the engineering is correct and it works. I think that has contributed to the perception. And, and I've mentioned this before, uh, on when I was a guest on the podcast before I was actually the host. Um, but <laughs> okay. I, I think it's contributed to the perception that, that, uh, circuit boards are kind of like an overblown way to wire chips together when really there's so much more engineering that goes goes into it to make sure that a circuit board works and that all the components on it work as as you intend. Yeah. yeah, of course, uh, that is more in the, uh, um, I would say, advanced circuit board engineering, because for myself, I actually never learned uh, how to properly design a circuit board or something like that. Um, and I basically picked it up and the first, like, it's still a work in progress, of course, <laughs> with my circuit boards. You um, can never stop learning, right? Yeah, yeah, sure. But uh, I think the first time I did it, it was like uh, 2014 or so. I actually um, did not round my... I actually had corners with the PCB traces and the comment section was like, you can't do that. <laughs> that's illegal. <laughs> and I was like, that's a, okay. That's a <laughs> <laughs> Well... Um, I actually read it up and uh, when there is high frequency stuff involved, there can be reflections and whatnot. And I was like, okay, sure. But my uh, circuit board works with frequencies like 100 Hertz. So who cares? But exactly. in the end, yeah, there's so much to learn. And um, yeah, I, maybe one day I'll get to designs which have megahertz and gigahertz. Uh, then it becomes very... Uh, like you said, interesting that everything still works when it's all packed on the PCB. Um, but until then, I'm happy with my uh, lazy designs that until now always worked, actually. Uh, I, you know, my first board was, was not a super advanced design. And I mean, if you, if you just say, well, you know, it, it captured some data and sent it to a, a DAQ card, then, okay, it worked. But you know, I think uh, even at the, those uh, lower frequencies, it can still be challenging, especially if you have problems with noise or you have problems with power. So I'm, mm. I'm wondering, you know, what, what level of advancement do you, do you go to with your designs? Are you just trying to get something that, that looks nice and is entertaining and that, you know, technically works fine? Um, mm. Because it, it seems more you're focused on kind of the electronic system as a whole and not just mm -hmm. on here's how to do this thing on the board. 
Um, good question. <laughs> Definitely. Um, the thing is, um, when I do my videos, the uh, it is more about the electronic system, I would say. Most of the videos is like, um, we want to do this function, basically. Um, how do we do it? And then I iterate, I would say. Uh, I start with the uh, maybe microcontroller or the uh, general system, and then what components do we have to add? Um, what do these components do for the system? Um, what are the effects? And most of the time, I actually don't um, do a printed circuit board um, because what I learned in my internship, um, I'm actually a certified electronics te technician, it is called in English. In German, if there are German viewers right now, it is Elektronik of a Betriebstechnik. Um, basically, the job is about um, you're in an industrial field and some, uh, how do I say it? You're in an industrial field and at some point, um, the robot, the roboter is not moving anymore, who is assembling the parts. And as an electronics technician, you have to uh, see, okay, where's the problem and we have to fix it quick. Because um, of course, when a robot doesn't move, um, that's maybe 100,000 euro per hour, uh, it does not move because it makes that much money in that time. And you have to be quick. You have to uh, find a quick and I would say dirty solution until you got a replacement part. And that is where all my perfboard designs basically come from. So for the most part, I don't use uh, real printed circuit boards. I just use perfboards uh, and sort out all the components onto it and just connect them either with solder bridges or sometimes I have bridge wire, which is basically silvered copper wire. And that is how I learned it in the internship. And actually, it works. It sounds dirty and cheap, but it works so well. Um, I think the only times, well, as you can see, I recently did a PCB. So I do it more often now. Um, but back in the days when I was kind of afraid making PCBs, designing them, because I had no idea how it works, um, I did not use it only because the circuit was too big. When when you have a microcontroller maybe, and you have to use every digital channel and every analog input, you're like, oh boy, on the board this will take a while. Then of course I, I would go for a printed circuit board. But usually I think for me, it is the board. Um, and I also think I averted your question a little bit uh, about what you said. Um, can you repeat it again? I, I don't remember. We've gotten so far. <laughs> so far <laughs> sorry, <beyond> that. <laughs> sorry. That was not my intention. Um, I think you said about the circuit board design, whether I implement that in the video. Um, so I think I did um, basics videos before in which I, uh, it is quite a popular video in which I said, how do we go from idea to the schematic to the circuit board? And there, um, yeah, because I noticed yeah. you have quite a few introductory videos, like whether it's just using op amps, using a transistor, yeah. things things like that. Yeah, my Electronic Basics video series. Yes, yes. Yeah, yeah I noticed there's quite a few of those. Yeah, and for the printed circuit board, uh, back then for two-layer design, I think it was a remote with uh, 2.4 gigahertz just for an electric longboard. I 
uh, told viewers specifically how each individual design step was. So as a whole video, but usually when I do project videos, um, I don't, and, and I often get that in project videos with viewers who are first time viewers, they're like, he's doing all this crazy stuff. How should I know how a MOSFET works? How should I know how a bipolar junction transistor works or resistor? Why doesn't he explain it in the video? And I'm often in the comment section, I'm like, I have an electronic basics video series. It's like 50 videos at this point. If you want to watch about a specific component, you don't know how, how that works or how to design a PCB, there is a specific video. So I don't have to basically say it over and over again in the project videos, because I think it just uh, keeps it tighter together and more interesting for viewers than to state uh, how to make this all the time. Yeah, I mean, otherwise, you know, every project video would be like a three hour video. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think um, I always try to keep it very uh, tight and compact and interesting with, I think, a maximum of 10 to 12 minutes. And uh, I think that's also why lots of viewers enjoy the videos, because it is so densely packed and so many informations, such short amount of time and also entertaining in a way that they think like, yeah, this sound, this looks so good. I would love to try that as well or inspire them to do something similar. Yeah, definitely. Uh, yeah, keep keeping things a little more bite size is is definitely what I try to do as well. And um, I think it's a good way to just kind of target something specific because sometimes you know people need to know something quick, easy. They don't yeah. want to sit through a forty-five minute video to get what is yeah. basically a three-minute answer. Yeah, that is what I sometimes have when I look for solutions. There's like a fifteen-minute video. I'm like, oh. Oh boy, <laughs> now I have to look through where's the information I need. Yeah, I can definitely yeah. relate to that. Yeah, and one of the things I, I also saw that, that looked actually pretty cool uh, was uh, on your channel was testing schematics you find online. Yeah. So the testing schematics you find online. Um, I had never thought of doing something like that in a video, but that's actually really funny. Um, and and now I'm, I'm wondering... You, like you like you had alluded to in the video, you know, if you Google a certain type of circuit, you know, go to, go to Google Images, you Google a certain type of circuit, you're going to be flooded with circuit diagrams. What's yeah. your strategy for picking one that's going to be interesting and maybe, you know, do you have some kind of foresight as something that will give you a fun result that mm. is going to make a good video? You know, because mm. I'm sure you don't want to, like, pick a schematic and then build it and test it and find out, hey, it works perfectly – and then, yeah. okay, you know, is that a good video or not? Yeah. Um, so very good question. Uh, and that question is actually the reason why I didn't make a third episode yet. I did two. Uh, the first one was about inverter, 12 volts to 230 volts. And the second one about a LiPo charger. And that is actually the hardest part. Just first of finding an interesting topic, like, okay, what do I actually want to build? Then looking through all the schematics, and I think for the first episode, uh, the research was um, uh, the first video was actually uh, not that hard to do because. Oh, sorry, I should maybe turn my smartphone down. Um, for the first episode, it was actually not that hard because um, inverters are 
I, I'm not sure why, but all the time inverters are in my comments. I, I'm not sure, like I said, I'm, I don't know why, but everybody apparently wants to build an inverter. And I'm always like, it is not worth it because an inverter, um, when you buy it in the store, not sure if you have one uh, at home. No, I, I mean, I, I have, I, we have a solar system on our home. And so there's an okay. inverter in the garage. Yeah, you would definitely would not want to DIY such an inverter or would you? Uh, I mean, me personally, uh, <laughs> I would, uh, I've never had to do an inverter. So I no, I would not go out and try and DIY an inverter just mm -hmm. yet. I would uh, consult with, with my designers that work for me and maybe we would okay. figure it out. But as far as just like, you know, jumping in and doing it in an afternoon and, you know, finding a schematic online. No, of course not. Yeah. And that's what I sometimes think when the viewers write such comments, they think you have to put four MOSFETs there and then feed them with a signal and you got a perfect inverter. And I'm like, no, it's, it's a bit frustrating because an inverter, I think when you have a battery input or a solar system or anything like that, and there, there goes something wrong with your inverter design and you suddenly short that, um, it's not that great. I would say it's definitely a safety hazard. And then you also have to get the stable outputs. It's quite complicated, I would say. Um, and that's why it was such a simple topic just to say, okay, this got to be funny when you find inverter schematics, because as an engineer, you know, it's not that simple and people just make it look so simple with the schematics. And of course, in the end, I think it did work um, for a light bulb, um, but then again, the output voltage was collapsing all the time. Frequency was changing. I think it shorted at some point as well because of um, the output load. It was too big. I'm not sure anymore, but it turned out to be a funny video, <laughs> definitely. And I hope um, not many people will try the circuit anymore. And yeah, we'll, we'll, second... we'll link to those. We'll link to those in the show notes. So if anyone is interested <laughs> in seeing that, click on the link in the show notes and uh, uh, go get you, go have a good laugh. Yeah, it. And the second one, um, that was the time it was harder because I was like, okay, what circuits do I want to do now? And the one thing, because uh, I was already going with the safety aspect with the inverter. I was like, okay, what is something that is also not safe if you DIY it? Maybe it'll explode. Maybe it is battery related. And I was like, okay, LiPo batteries. Lots of people have that. If they are mistreated, I think I also did a video about that. Uh, they can puff up, they can explode, start a fire. Not so great. And that's how I just searched. And then I found uh, different websites which explained the circuit, which was also not completely correct, the information there. And I said, okay, this could work <laughs> as a topic. Um, but since so you then, just knew, the... you just knew reading from the description of maybe the, you know, the website that had the schematic, you yeah. knew the description and you knew, okay, this isn't going to work out. I'm going to play with this. Yeah. Yeah. But it wasn't as bad as the inverter. I would say it for the most part, it was correct. It was just hiding some details. I would say, um, making people think it's way better than it actually is, but. Yeah, it, it did work out for the most part in the end. And at the moment, um, I'm not um, constantly looking for a new topic in that series. 
Um, I actually thought about um, free energy um, schematic circuit designs <laughs> because that's <laughs> I did it before actually um, with a Bedini motor and um, what was it? Bedini motor and I think the fan where you put magnets on the fan and then you put a ma another magnet close to it and it rotates forever. It is one of the my most watched videos, I think, with 4 million views or something like that. Um, so, but that, of course, didn't stop uh, people from making more videos like this. And I think about three months ago, I found a new YouTube channel, which is only about free energy. And there is so much crazy stuff on there. I was like, oh, but and it has million views. That, that's the worst. And. The, nowadays you can't see the dislikes anymore, but there are so mm. many thumbs up and I was like, oh, do people really believe this? It's like, but of course you got electro boom for that as well. He debunks lots of those, but I think, um, if one day I do another video about that, it will not hurt. I think. <laughs> no, I, I think it's good to, uh, up, to, to do content that actually approaches that in a fun and engaging way but really nicely communicates the point that, you know, yeah. this is pseudoscience or this isn't going to work or this is unsafe, whatever, whatever the end point is, you know, some, somebody has to do it. So that's actually cool that you're actually going out and doing that. <laughs> yeah, maybe <laughs> one day, uh, we will see. So, hey, somebody's got to do it, right? Yeah. But Electro Boom is doing a pretty good job at it. So, but I think he will uh, like it if I put my head into the ring as well. For that kind of content i will see yeah definitely um and then you, you mentioned the diy or buy uh series um kind yeah. of when i brought up the the testing schematics you find online so the diy or buy um what what kind of things are you inspired to to look at and compare when you do like a diy or buy type of series is it based on stuff mm -hmm. that you have the 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 capacity to build yourself because like i noticed that you did one uh like with a water pump you know that's just kind of mm. one example but um yeah. you know how do you pick those projects uh so the water pump was definitely a big fail i would say not sure if you watched the video completely um well you've got that, a lot of videos to be fair so i i haven't yeah. seen all of them but i i noticed one that there was a water pump and i i wanted to click on it <laughs> yeah um that was definitely a video with um, a problem of time budget, I would say, because uh, in the end, it didn't work out. The axle, the plastic axle was just too weak. It was rotating for a bit and then snapped right off. Yeah. And I was like, oh boy, I spent already 60 hours on the topic trying to get something to work and suddenly it breaks. In the end, I had to end it there. Viewers didn't really like that, but um, in the end, as a content creator, I do three videos in three weeks and then I do a one week break. And like I said, if I spend 60 hours on this one thing and it didn't work out, I have to do something with it. Otherwise, uh, it wouldn't work out with the release schedule. So um, not the best positive example of the series, but um, in the end, DIY or buy is a pretty popular series for me, I would say. Um, lots of viewers enjoy it, and I actually do so too. Um, I'm currently planning a new one. Uh, the product I want to DIY is actually on the way. 
Um, I'll do a bit of spoiler here. Um, <laughs> I'll tell you. Um, the yeah, thing I was going to say, uh, are you going to tease us with the actual thing <laughs> that you're building? <laughs> I'm not sure if it's going to work out, but um, you're probably aware of the Fire TV sticks from Amazon. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I actually uh, have one on my old TV. Now they're built into smart TVs, but um, yeah, I, I okay. had one. I think I got it like five or six years ago for for an old TV before you know smart TVs became much more affordable. Yeah, and that's also why I have like two or something like that. Uh, work like a treat, but there's one problem because I'm actually always too lazy to use an AC outlet with a proper 5-volt USB power supply. I just plug it in a USB port of the TV, but then there's always um, the error message sometimes uh, you should plug in your Fire TV stick into a proper outlet. So the 5-volt cannot supply enough current. I'm like, yeah, yeah, okay, still works. Um, but what I recently saw on Amazon is now they offer, um, I'm not sure how they call it, um, cable booster, mi mission cables or something. It was a crazy name. I was like, what is this? But um, it's pretty self-explanatory. It's just a little gadget you plug um, plug into the USB port and then into your Fire TV sticks and it basically acts like a buffer between the USB port and the Fire Stick and they claim that uh, this solves the problem that the stick will not complain that it does not have um, that the port does not have enough uh, current capabilities and what I'm thinking it's just the battery uh, or some kind of bigger capacitor who will buffer everything and they want $20 for that. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> maybe there's a cheaper option because with five volts, of course, you don't want to blow up your TV's USB port. So I will have to be careful there and say that in the video, definitely. But if it's just about adding a couple of capacitors or a battery there, then I don't see the problem of DIYing such a thing instead of buying it. So, so, that is... so it, it sounds like it's just a battery. The battery charges up when the fire stick's not in use. And then that yeah. can discharge and provide the additional current that the fire stick might demand when it's, when yeah. it's needed. I, I see, I see. And then, you know, turn a fire stick off again, battery charges up. Okay. So, something I would see. I don't, I don't have it yet. I'm actually quite interested uh, finding out. Maybe it's way more sophisticated than I think. Maybe it's... A uh, real powerful charge controller I see who sees peaks and then steps in and then closes um, the connection to the USB from the Fire TV sticks completely and then goes to the battery and then switches back in milliseconds. I don't know. Maybe. That, that's the fun in this, actually. And that's the point of... Maybe it doesn't why work at all, right? <laughs> Maybe it doesn't work at all. Yeah, possible. I don't know. And that's actually the interesting thing, I think, with DIY or buyer. I see a product, I'm like, okay, that, that's useful, useful um, but why does it cost 200 euro, $200? I'm like, can't I build this cheaper? And that is basically the point of DIY or buyer, trying mm. to build a product that exists, that works, where you just want the benefits. Of course, my DIY version will always be I would say a ghetto version of the product in the end. It will not be as fancy looking as with that many features, but in the end, it does the main job that the byproduct does. 
And I think lots of viewers appreciate that. And yeah, it's just fun. Well, and I think that's nice because over the course of creating the product, doing the DIY portion, it, it allows people to see, you know, what really goes into engineering a product like this and what some of yeah. the real challenges are. Because, you know, this goes back to what you said about, you know, we all just kind of trust that electronics work and we don't really mm -hmm. have to know anything about it. It really reveals a lot of the thought process and then the actual technical data and the technical information that goes into making this product actually work the way you expect. Yeah, definitely. It gets people into the door of electrical engineering, I think. They're like, I can build this by myself, and then I sneak this in like, okay, I open it up, it works like this. And viewers are like, oh, that's how it works. That's interesting as well. So trying to sneak a bit of electrical engineering in the back while keeping it very fun at the front, I would say, is a good concept. Have you ever thought of doing something like, uh, like teardowns? Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I know other YouTubers, uh, web video creators, whatever, who do it. I actually just saw a video from EV Block in my subscription about a teardown. Then you got Big Clive who does teardowns. Uh, Julian Eilet, I think he's called, he does teardowns. Um, it's, I, I once did a teardown, I would say it was about my old smartphone, um, but it wasn't just a teardown. It was just like the premise of the video was, can you reuse something in a smartphone? Because uh, I got an old one. I think it was in Galaxy S7 or S6 it was sitting around three years. And I was like, okay, it sucks that it just sits around. Maybe I can um, tear it down, find some components that I can use in projects. And I thought that would be a very interesting video topic. And many viewers actually uh, watched it, uh, find it enjoyable. But the end result was that you cannot reuse lots of the components. It's just, yeah, it doesn't make sense for the most part. And teardowns, I think, just solely teardowns, um, I don't think it's that much fun, actually. With my videos, I always try uh, to do something new, unique, something practical uh, and teardowns, it just don't fit for, fits for me. Maybe that's, that's fair. I, I think it gets a little product focused too. Yeah. You know, like, like the people who are going to watch are just people who are looking to buy something. Well, yeah, sort of, I would think, think it's a mixture of maybe people who want to buy and uh, more of those hardcore electronics nerds who are more like, okay, I want to see how this is developed uh, because that's the uh, big attraction point for me, actually, when I see a big Clive tear down, I'm like, okay, how does this work? I click on it and he tears it down with a schematic usually. So I don't want to say that there is lots of knowledge involved and you get a lot of, out of it. So big respect to those, um, but for me, at the moment, uh, it's just not my style. But who knows, um, years ago, my style was also different from the videos I do now. So maybe in five years, I do teardowns, I don't know. <laughs> well, if uh, people start uh, leaving a lot of comments for teardowns, I guess you're going to have to, right? <laughs> yeah, I am. 
I often try to take a uh, view of feedback. I actually read all the comments underneath my videos and I have a long to-do list with things, uh, people uh, shout out and I think like, okay, that's a good idea. Um, but I still try to do the things I love to do and I want to do because when you put so many hours into this video production stuff, you need to have fun. Otherwise you will stop uh, pretty quickly, I would say. Sure, sure. It makes total sense. Yeah. Interacting with people is, is fun too, especially on, you know, videos. And I mean, do you get, do you get a decent amount of, I guess you could say criticism, you know, should have done something differently, maybe with testing yeah. schematics? Okay. Uh, with testing schematics, the criticism was pretty low, but okay. uh, when I do mistakes, people will let me know instantly. And Well, and engineers make mistakes. It's... Yeah, you know, it happens. Definitely. Um, but when there's a big mistake, I think I did those in videos before. Um, I did a video about an AC soft starter with uh, where I basically want to soft start a motor. And I actually uh, started it at the wrong point of the sine wave. Uh, my thought process was that I should start it at the zero point, but that was completely not true. Not sure um, how I ended up with this information. Uh, looking back, maybe there was once again limited time budget. Maybe uh, wrong websites were shown to me. <laughs> maybe I was in a bubble. I have no idea. It just slipped through and right to the end of the video uh, when I published it. And just in the comment section, people uh, started saying, hey, this is not correct. This is not how it works. And in the end, um, I have no idea why my soft starter worked for me because it actually did. Um, it didn't trip my fuse in the end, uh, but it was not the correct way. So when this happens, I always try to uh, leave a comment, a pinned comment in the top so that new viewers uh, who will try something like this or just want to get knowledge uh, will know right from the start, okay, he did a mistake. So yeah, I, I get criticism quite a bit, but that, that's just how it is, I think. And I can work with that. It's, it's not like I feel offended or anything. I'm like, yeah, I make mistakes. I think mistakes, everyone makes mistakes. And I always improve through the criticism. Yeah, that's all you can really do, right? Yeah. Um, so so we're, we're, running, uh, we're running a little uh, low on time here. But one thing I wanted to ask before, before we go is um, what do you have planned in the future? Uh, in the future, um, let's divide that maybe in the near future and the distant future. Uh, so it's, for the distant future, I want to continue making videos like it is right now. And I hope that is possible. Um, I also said it at the end of 2021, I did a small video uh, in which I said that a couple more things will change for me because so far I've been doing videos in my apartment basically for five years. And I'm actually currently in the process. Um, well, I'm not building the house. I have a company who does that, but I will be moving into a house hopefully next year. And Congratulations. thank you very much. It, it was definitely a long, hard way. Um, and there I, of course, got way more opportunities. I already got a welding machine. I want to learn welding and also give tips for beginners, maybe calling it, um, idiot tries to weld or something. Uh, 
And of course, with that, I get way more tools. I can do so much more with pneumatic, hydraulic. I have lots of stuff planned out. So uh, for the future, there will definitely be a wider assortment of projects and topics, but of course, all with electronics. And in the near future, I actually just finished um, a video which took quite a bit. Um, uh, for that, I actually created two circuit boards. Uh, so the first one, special about it, uh, it's not completely populated. This was just a test because it's an aluminum printed circuit board, actually. First time I did that, basically uh, for high power LEDs I got on the front, they can do up to 700 milliamps, I think. So they can get quite hot. Uh, only problem with that circuit board is I think hot air soldering is not so recommended for aluminum PCBs. Do you have, uh, what is your opinion on that? What would you So recommend? that's a good question. Um, so mm -hmm. with, the, so the aluminum PCBs that I've done are actually metal core. So okay. it's not, it's not uh, fully metalized up on the, on the outer edges or on the outer surfaces, I should say. So it's just, you know, single layer dielectrics on metal core or two layers on metal core. Those are, uh, I had a different impression when I first went into that type of design and mm -hmm. uh, what I learned after talking to someone at a commercial space company about those types of designs is he actually said that the yield is notoriously low on those designs and they don't tell you about it. They'll, they'll okay. build 10 to get one or two out that actually work correctly. Um, oh. yeah, I had no idea. That was, that was my reaction too. like, really, <laughs> you know, I didn't <laughs> okay. it was so low, um, but that's what they have to do because of the, the manufacturing process, especially when they have to go to multi-layer. Um, and then with assembly, um, I, I had, I was told that if they don't, if they aren't good at doing reflow, then mm -hmm. you can have, a, then you can have uh, assembly defects. So cold joints or, uh, tombstoning yeah. because, because it's, uh, it's very difficult to keep the heat even across the entire yeah. board and get it all up to the right temperature. Um, so those are my thoughts on aluminum boards. Um, but that's actually pretty interesting. You say you're going to do it, you know, do it by by hand. Um, so <laughs> yeah, I'd, I, I'd actually be interested to see that. <laughs> it's um, I did a fully populated board with hot air soldering that did work for half an hour, I think. Um, but then suddenly rows started to not glow up anymore, and the problem is, like you said, cold solder joints. Uh, I was able to just uh, use a bit of force and then push the LEDs off, and I was like, okay, that didn't reflow properly. So uh, one of the things I'm currently working on is um, instead of such hot air soldering, which you do from the top, I'm actually working on a hot plate solution. So I want to see how well that works because that way I think it just makes more sense when you heat it up completely from the back, you got the aluminum, everything hot, then it has to reflow, reflow properly. That is at least my thought process on that. Um, yeah, I would I would think with an aluminum board, yeah, they would it would be much easier to implement that kind of solution compared to like if you had uh, just a typical um, you know FR4 board. Yeah. Because then you have to transfer it with an FR4 board, and you don't have a lot of copper on the outside. You'd have to ensure that the heat transfers evenly between the entire PCB, and it's going to really depend heavily on the on the distribution of copper. Yeah. So. Yeah. I will see how it turns out, uh, future videos, if you're interested. <laughs> and yeah, the, other thing, <laughs> the other thing is basically, um, 
goes hand in hand. This is just um, the driver board for the LEDs. So the simple stuff, I would say. Arduino mic controller, my favorite. I know how it works. I know how to control the timers and that's really all I need. So basically using 60 kilohertz to drive four LED channels. Um, and then we got, well, LED channels here, we got um, pretty interesting, um, how do I say it? Uh, power electronic circuits, I would say. It's like small switch mode power supplies, which basically take 4.5 to 60 volts and turn it into a constant current of 300 to 450 milliamps. And you can pulse it as well with the frequency I just said. And yeah, that, that's just the driver board. So these two will go hand in hand. And viewers can watch it hopefully on February the 20th. It should come out. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, great. Um, so anyone who's interested in watching that, go into the show notes, click on the link to the Great Scott YouTube channel, click subscribe, and you'll be able to see all of that, all of those, con all of those videos. Um, great Scott, that's who's here talking with us today. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been a really interesting discussion, and um, I hope uh, the audience goes and subscribes to you on YouTube and watches some of your great videos. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. And to everyone out there watching today, don't stop learning, stay on track, and stay tuned for the next episode.